Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Keeping Up With The Classics, where your hosts, Madeline Bale and me, Farabi Pushpita, discuss our favourite unhinged women from antiquity. Today, we're going to be talking about Medusa. Um, just as a disclaimer, sorry about the somewhat poor quality of the audio in last week's episode. Um, we're in quarantine right now. It's corona time, and we're trying to do our best, so we're sorry about that. I will now hand over to Maddie to explain the myth of Medusa. Thanks, Farabi. All right, so Medusa has got a couple of origin stories. Um, so I'll just go with the two most well-known ones. So the first one's pretty boring, actually. It was just that she was just born that way. Uh, she was just born as a hideous gorgon along with her two sisters, um, Sino and Uriley. Um, Her two sisters were immortal, but just for the convenience of the plot, I guess Medusa is not. Poor Medusa is mortal. Um, and that's basically it. They're the kids of like some primordial sea gods and a sea monster, which is a bit dull. However, I think the version <laughs> that we both prefer is Ovid's version of her story, which is a lot sadder, but there's also a lot more uh, depth to it. Basically, Ovid's version of the myth states that Medusa was once a beautiful mortal woman who was desired by basically everybody. So naturally, a woman that was that beautiful caught the eye of a god, specifically Poseidon. Um, so Poseidon seduced and then raped Medusa in a temple of Athena. Yikes. Crikey. Yeah, crikey indeed. Um, this understandably really annoyed Athene because, I mean, the disrespect. So literally on the spot, she just cursed poor Medusa. So she turned her hair into the now iconic snakes and made her face so terrible that just looking at it would turn you to stone. Blaming the victims. Honestly. <laughs> why Poseidon chose a temple of Athena... I don't know. Maybe it's because he's petty because they had beef about um, the naming of Athens. Do you think that could be why? Yeah, that honestly seems to be the biggest reason why. Or he's just a himbo. Maybe he is just a himbo. For those of you who aren't familiar, I'll briefly touch on the potential beef between Poseidon and Athena. Basically, um, Athens, well, what we now know as Athens, wasn't always named that way. Uh, Poseidon and Athena were basically competing to be... um, what is it like the iconic gods like the patron of the city the patron of the city that's the one patron gods of the land that we now know as Athens and their little competition basically went who can impress the people of this little unnamed stretch of land the most Poseidon (laughs) was like I'll give you guys a fountain so he struck the ground with his trident and this massive like gushing fountain of water came forth so all the people like this is amazing but then they tasted it and it was salty and they were like ew so then Athena just like stepped up to the mark and she made an olive tree grow. And obviously that's brilliant because you get food from it, you get oil, you get firewood. So they were like, yes, we love that. So they named Athens, Athens after Athena. So Poseidon was probably still a little bit salty about that, which might be why he sat with Medusa in there. But, you know, it is what it is. Well, gods are very petty and they can hold grudges very well. Oh my God, they definitely can. So the most well-known myth uh concerning Medusa is a myth of Perse- Perseus I'm sorry Farid I know that rubs you the wrong way <laughs> I know it's my pet peeve okay Perseus and Medusa um so let's start off with a little bit of context for Perseus shall we so Perseus is the son of Zeus the king of the gods and Danai Danai is the story of Danai is just a shiny example of how Zeus is like the horniest entity to ever grace the earth Farid oh. <laughs> is just shaking her head with so much disapproval so Danai was 
uh, fated or prophecy to give birth to a son that would kill his granddad and denies father and therefore the granddad of Perseus is Acrisius, the king of Argos. Um, and Acrisius's genius plan to solving this problem was to lock Danae in a bronze seal chamber for her entire life so she would never get pregnant. But as is often the case with fate, everything you do to avoid it often just makes all the pieces fall into place. So Zeus being king of the gods and just having godlike abilities meant that he was able to like x-ray vision and see Danae. His horny got ignited. So he did what any normal god would do, which is turn into a golden shower of like rain. And because obviously liquid and physics, he was able to slip in through the gaps in the door. Um, and he managed to get denied pregnant. I know. Gross. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not dwell on that. Let's not try and dwell on uh, the physics of that. But anyway, so Denai became pregnant with little baby Perseus and gave birth to him in the cell, which did not put Acrisius in the best of moods, to put it lightly. Um, he was mad. So in order to solve this problem. Basically, he didn't want to kill Perseus because like, he has some morals and he's also afraid of the Furies. So he locked Danae and Perseus in a wooden chest and tossed it out into the middle of the ocean. So then the chest drifted until it reached the island of Seraphos where they were helped out by a nice fisherman called Dictis. Um, he brought them to Polydictes, who is the king of Seraphos. Now, Polydictes fell in love with Danae and tried to forcefully marry her, but as Perseus grew up, he wouldn't let him do this, which created some tension between them. So Polydictes was annoyed, but didn't want to outright kill Perseus, so he basically gave him... There's two stories of what happens next. Basically, one option says... Polydictes said to Perseus, I will stop going after your mum if you can go slay Medusa and bring back her head for me, and then Danae would be saved. Or the other version is way more beefy. It's basically <laughs> Polydictes essentially threw a massive dinner party and told everybody, bring a horse as your gift, as your like dinner party gift. Because he knew down well that Perseus didn't have a horse. So this was basically... He's a broke boy. Take pity on him. <laughs> yeah, well, he didn't. He just took this opportunity to completely clown Perseus in front of everybody. Um, which <laughs> kind of... Big oof. So this kind of meant Perseus had to say, whatever gift you want, I'll get it for you. Again, this is quite a high-risk strategy, considering Polydictes hated his guts. So naturally, instead of asking for a normal gift like a horse, like everybody else at the damn party got him, Polydictes told him to get the head of Medusa because he saw that as like the perfect opportunity to get rid of Perseus once and for all, so he can keep going after his mum. But that didn't work because Perseus was supported by the gods on his little quest. He was given a mirrored shield by Athena, winged sandals from Hermes, a sword from Hephaestus, and a helm of invisibility, aka Harry Potter's invisibility cloak from Hades. <laughs> Handy. So, yeah, all the gear. He went off to go kill Medusa, and he did. He cut her head clean off, which had a bit of a funky result. Basically, as he cut off the head of Medusa, from her blood sprang Chrysior, who is a golden giant, and Pegasus, the iconic white-winged horse. Um, it's time for me to make my joke here. Sorry, <laughs> just to interrupt you, but I'm very proud of this. Most people, when they die, their bodies undergo rigor mortis, but Medusa, instead, her body produces a giant and a winged horse. <laughs> it's just very iconic. If you're going to go, go out with a bat, is what I say. <laughs> she certainly did. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much the story of Medusa concluded. Once uh, Perseus had cut off Medusa's head, he he gave it to Athena, didn't he? Who put it onto the front of her shield. 
um yeah the it, ages yeah the ages which made it like the ultimate terrifying weapon of war and that basically concludes the story of medusa thank you for that excellent summary maddie that is certainly not a very conventional story but it's a great one nonetheless don't you think yeah, I definitely think so. It's a bit long-winded. Sorry about that, guys. But I think context is definitely needed so that we can understand her just a little bit better. Yes. So now, on to your thoughts. What do you actually think about Medusa? Do you think that she is ultimately the victim here? Um, In Ovid's story, definitely, because you just feel so bad for her. She basically got potentially caught up in just some beef between Athena and Poseidon. If not, she was still, yeah, I'd say she was definitely a victim. She really just got involved with the wrong guys. Um, I think Athena definitely went a little bit too hard with that curse. I think that was a little bit, <laughs> just a little bit much. Yeah, it's like, I expect better from Athena being a woman herself, but for punishing a rape victim, for being raped like that, it's just a bit appalling, isn't it? Yikes. <laughs> I know Athena is definitely lacking the empathy department I think it's safe to say well isn't that the story with all the gods <laughs> pretty much so if we view Medusa as the victim who would you categorize as the villain in the story of Medusa and Perseus um hmm well I think it's definitely safe to say that Polydictes has got a lot to do with it because he's the whole reason that Perseus had to go out there in the first place. Like, Medusa was just vibing by herself on her little island or wherever the hell she lived. Um, she <laughs> Turning was people to stone. Yeah, as, as one does. She was unbothered, basically, is my point. And um, if Polydictes wasn't so horny for deny, this poor girl has just got everyone, like, everybody wants her. And it isn't even yeah. good. <laughs> it's just ending badly. But then it oh. really says a lot about them, about men and uh, well, in the world of antiquity and how they really couldn't control themselves. I know, definitely. And um, really emphasizes how little value they have for like women as people. It's more like, oh, I'm horny for that woman in particular. So we're just going to completely objectify her. Uh, let's not take her feelings into account and let's just do what we want in order to get her. Yeah, because she they have no agency, and like Medusa herself has been done so wrong, but then yeah. she becomes the villain in a way, which I is know. just a bit sad. Yeah, you know, it's it's actually tragic. Like the way it always gets twisted, uh, so the victims become bad guys, especially if they're women. Just yikes. So we have Perseus, who's vanquished Medusa, but he's had so so much external help from the gods do you think that at the end of the day Perseus was kind of a suitable or worthy enough hero to vanquish Medusa well I mean compared to other heroes I'm gonna go ahead and say it I don't think Perseus uh like meets the mark in the sense that he just literally gets everything handed to him on a silver platter like all the gear um all the advice that he needs just gets straight up given to him by a whole host of gods. It's not just Athena. It's Athena, Hermes, Hephaestus, Hades. Like, the whole gang is there. They're all helping him out. It's not like someone like Jason, who pretty much had to grind out by himself. Obviously, he had Medea's help near the end there. But I know he just had so much assistance that it was almost like, what do you want? Like, you want a prize for, like, well done for competing, well done for taking part in this thing that everyone else set up for you. Like, great job, champ. Yeah, and it's like, it's not, it's certainly no um, Hercules' 12 labours or yeah. anything like that. Like, that dude had to 
grind. Yeah. <laughs> he was the definition of hustle. <laughs> he really was. Yeah, Perseus is just kind of floating along, like taking what's given to him and just doing what he's told. I don't know. Do you think do you think that reflects on his parentage because his father is Zeus? Do you think the the element of favoritism plays in there? But then again, one could say that about Hercules as well. Yeah, I feel like Hang on. Um, hmm. God, that's a really tough one. I don't think that Zeus actually does too much to help him. I think, honestly, Athena is once again being his biggest supporter. And that's just because she straight up hates Medusa because, obviously, she cursed her in the first place. Why is why is Athena so petty towards Medusa is what I'm, is what I'm wondering. Yeah, I suppose the gods were really pressed about their temples being, like, <laughs> sanctuaries and, like, holy places. And I suppose her hatred for Poseidon just goes that deep. And because she can't exactly lash out at a member of, like, the big three, she chooses to inflict it on a poor woman. But, you know, pick your poison. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's just so unfair. Like, I think Medusa is definitely a victim. She just is on... She's collateral damage, basically, <laughs> of all the, yeah, the spat between uh, Poseidon and Athena. She just is so... She experiences so much of the fallout of everything. And as you said, she just takes all the hits that Athena really wants to throw at Poseidon, but can't. Yeah, it's like this godly power play, and this poor girl is yeah. just caught up in the middle. <laughs> She's just their punching bag, really. Yeah, do you think that um, in the, our modern-day society, women are often punished for their beauty and the men who desire them, much in the same way that Medusa was, while said men who desired them go scot-free? It's a bit of a loaded question. Yeah, that is quite a loaded question. Um, what you said about like women being punished for their beauty, I don't know if it's a direct punishment, but I know that it's so ironic that on a, a lot of the time, I wouldn't know from experience, but beautiful women can be stereotyped <laughs> as like the dumb blonde or uh, because she's beautiful, she can't be intelligent or something. You know what I mean? Like a model could yeah. never be intelligent. That like she pretty can't... airheads. Yeah, exactly. Like they just assume that everyone who's beautiful is really just that. Like it's just skin deep. Like it doesn't go any further. And I think that's so, oh God, it's so objectifying. It's so insulting that if- It's so superficial. Yeah, exactly. Like if a woman's pretty, she can't be anything more than that. I think it's because- it's, it's so weird. I was actually talking about this with my mum <laughs> basically talking about how <laughs> some men can be really intimidated by a pretty woman if if she's like intelligent as well um so I guess maybe they do it out of fear like they resort to just being like oh well you're just like a dumb blonde you're just an airhead you can't be more than that because they're straight up scared like they're panicking <laughs> you know what I mean yeah and it yeah and it's also quite interesting because like Medusa was the only one out of her siblings that wasn't well like that you know and then in the end she ends up being the most hideous out of them all it feels like yeah it feels like a twisted form of revenge justice I don't know yeah definitely I wonder I don't think Ovid mentions Medusa's sisters in his version does he I think Medusa's just out here vibing by herself or I don't know yeah Ovid himself doesn't this is just like the non-Ovid version yeah. of the myths where her sisters are just chilling being like the ugliest people around <laughs> and then <laughs> Medusa's there like oh my god I'm beautiful and it's great <laughs> until it's not yeah until it's not 
Okay, so speaking of Medusa, can we just talk about Percy Jackson's portrayal oh of Medusa? Oh my god. <laughs> Everybody here is a PJO stan, you know? And can we just talk about what we're not supposed to be talking about, the Percy Jackson movies? Oh, and no. I just want to say, no. a warning, never watch the movies. They don't exist in our heads. Yeah. But we in the Lightning speak. Thief movie, Medusa was played by Uma Thurman, which I just found ridiculous because you can't just get Uma Thurman <laughs> and put some snakes on her head. Why would you waste like, a brilliant actress that's like that? Medusa. Exactly. And she's meant to be hideous. You can't just get a famous, beautiful woman and put some snakes on top of her and be like, wow, terrifying. I know. And like, can we just talk about how awful those CGI snakes were? Like, my God, what was going on with the blending on her face? I just remember being appalled at the CGI. I was like, what am I looking at here? The CGI was more terrifying than Medusa. Exactly. Honestly, I had nightmares about that CGI <laughs> afterwards, just how terrible it was. This Honestly. is not what the ancient Greeks had in mind when they were envisioning Medusa. We're doing them dirty. <laughs> yeah, honestly. However, that being said, I think the Percy Jackson series, I think most of the people who are listening to this have probably read Percy Jackson, unless they're like senior knowledgeable classicists. And if you are, then you're probably <laughs> way too smart to be listening to this podcast. I apologise. <laughs> We're sorry to not meet your highbrow expectations. I know, but this podcast is all about like having a chat and just making classics a bit more, um, not approachable, but like kind of taking away some of the stigma from it because we just love it and we like having chats about it. I don't think it should be stigmatised as like a super posh, intelligent academic subject because honestly, we just have such a laugh talking about it, don't we? Exactly, and it's just so juicy and so (laughs) relatable in weird ways and it really makes you wonder. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, I think Percy Jackson was absolutely iconic. And I think someone asked me this question the other day. It was like, what are my thoughts on the modernization of classics? And I honestly think in the case of like Percy Jackson, it is brilliant if it means it can get like young kids foot in the door of the world of classics. Because I had no idea about like the Greek gods really at all until I picked up Percy Jackson in the library. And then I was hooked. And, you know, here here we are doing classics A-level however many years later. Honestly, it's just like Percy Jackson's just so great because it's, it makes it so accessible. And yeah. if you can get like middle school kids to be interested in Greek mythology, that's really cool. Honestly, like, and it's got so much influence down the line. If you know about Greek mythology and understand the Greek gods and even just the influence of like classic works on like modern life, because let's be honest, the classics are hidden absolutely everywhere from like the siren on your Starbucks coffee cup to people talking about, oh, my Achilles heel in conversation. I think it's so good for people to have a good understanding of the classics because they've just got so much influence and they're so fun. Yeah. And everything really does lead back not to sound like a really obsessed nerd but everything <laughs> does lead back to classics like everything is derived from it so much more than you think and it's just it's great storytelling yeah. it's a laugh and it makes you think it's just it's a good time you know it is and like we both do English A levels so we know about this all the references to classics in English like there's so many of them I know that me and my yeah. old English teacher, oh my god, we would always clash on what is the epithet most used for Odysseus. What do you think <laughs> it is? It's probably something like, I don't know, like, shrewd or wise. 
yeah but something along those lines or godlike yeah godlike it was just so funny to me because I would say like noble or long-suffering because obviously we've studied the Odyssey yes and to revise for it we've had to go through book by book and like write down all the epithets used so we know for a fact that in our translation that is the phrase that gets used the most but my English teacher is like no it's cunning the word you're looking for is cunning and I'm like well actually it depends on the version of the book you've got doesn't it mate well I can fight him in a parking lot because that is not true no noble long-suffering everywhere you go we're we're told how much Odysseus suffers he's the OG sufferer I love you're willing to square up with your English teacher about this I know he's like 80, but I'm willing to do it for the classics, and you should too. <laughs> you should be scared. You're going to catch these hands, Mr. English teacher, who we're not going to name for legal reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Please don't sue us. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so getting back on track, <laughs> we were talking about Percy Jackson. Um, yeah, who was I was talking to? Yeah, I was doing some kind of like interview practice and the lady I was doing it with, we were talking about the Roman mysteries and how like on a similar vein to Percy Jackson. It is so good to have like modernised kids versions of anything to do with the classics and myths If because it has such an influence on you. It's one of those books that like, I know it sticks, you know what I mean? Yeah, and it just gives you a greater understanding of the world that you're in and the context yeah. of that world, which Absolutely. is like apart from the really great uh, entertainment value reason, it is also just really nice and it's educational, but in a way that doesn't feel educational. Yeah, honestly, like our classics class, we have so much fun in it. And it's just bants all day long. It really is. Like we need to give a shout out to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna name her, she might be listening. Miss Whittingham was such a brilliant teacher. It's such a shame she's had to leave because she's got promotion, which we're super proud of her for. But uh, if you're listening, Miss Whittingham, Whittingham, you're an absolute legend. Thank you for being such a brilliant teacher and making classics so fun and accessible. Uh, we had yeah, such... you're honestly a G. You're a real one, Miss Whittingham. <laughs> you are a real one. Yeah, you make classics so much fun. And um, yeah, she's just like the perfect example of someone who genuinely loves their subject. And because they love their subject, it makes you love it. And yeah, I feel like if more people understood what classics really is, we could share that with so many more people. Like the amount of girls in our school who think that classics is all about, oh, you must know Latin and Greek. And it's like, nope, we do class civ and we just talk about myths and analyze the language and talk about like ancient society. And it's a great time. And most of the time, all we're doing is judging ancient people's lifestyle choices. <laughs> and anybody, I can attest, anybody in this day and age loves to judge other people. So why don't we judge them together and have a great time? <laughs> or it's Farabee trying to dismantle the patriarchy in one 50-page essay and getting told off by her teachers for it. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I've decided that I can't always say implicitly misogynistic for everything, <laughs> but it is my life philosophy. Everything is implicitly misogynistic in antiquity. <laughs> Farabee versus the patriarchy strikes back in episode two, guys. <laughs> Yep, square up. Come on. Um, okay, so sorry for going off on a slight tangent, but getting back on track of PJO, I just need to plug this. This is not a sponsorship, but honestly, Rick Riordan, you can sponsor me and I will take your money. But basically, I just need to plug the PJO Disney Plus series that is coming out in October, I believe. And October. this is a great, yeah, October. It's really soon. 2020. 
Yeah, literally three. Is it three months? Yeah. What, what month it. is it? July. How did yeah. I not know about this? It sis, it was everywhere. Where Barabin. have you been? <laughs> I know that there's a Greek mythology Netflix thing coming. It's called like Kronos or something. That might be completely wrong. Don't hold me to that. But I know something on Netflix is coming to you with Greek gods. I did not know it was on Disney Plus. Yeah, and it's like it's a live action thing, and they're Stop. actually going to get actors that are their age. So we're going to see a twelve-year-old baby Percy Jackson. <gasps> Dude, that's so it's cool! Ev- how did I? It's not- everything that we wanted. I'm literally having to Google this right now. I, how did I not know that existed? Maddie's hyperventilating now. <laughs> I am a little bit. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, this Walt- is big news. It is honestly Walt Disney just take all my money at this point. Yeah, and honestly, it, this is a great opportunity because if you're one of those people out there that doesn't know much about, you know, Greek mythology and stuff like that, but you want it, but you want something that makes you laugh because Percy Jackson, that's just laughs for days, you know? It really is. You, you, honestly, just sit down, get a Disney Plus account if you have one, you know, <laughs> and um, just watch it, honestly. That's all I ask. We don't know if it's going to be as good as the books so i would recommend the books first but if you don't like reading just watch the tv show yeah don't talk with don't go watch the movies they're not worth it and we aren't going to talk about those <laughs> yeah we are erasing that from the narrative that yeah. never happened <laughs> we just blanked out <laughs> <laughs> so let's just hope that in the disney plus series we don't see a repeat of medusa uh being played by uma thurman with really bad cgi um with the snakes and we actually get justice for Medusa. Yes, just that's all justice we want. For Medusa and hashtag justice for Uma Thurman because the Lord knows they did her dirty in that movie. <laughs> yeah, you know what? They also did Logan Lerman dirty. So you know, <laughs> justice for everybody and on that cast. We're sorry. That's true. Okay, guys. So on that note, I think we're going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you guys so much for listening, and be sure to tune in again next week for the latest episode. Bye.